I want you to grab your Bibles, any electronic device that you have a Bible app on, feel free to use that. Hold it up high and repeat after me. This is my Bible, the Word of God. And inside, God tells me the plans he has for my life. He tells me how much he loves me, even when this world tells me that I am not lovable and I shall be all that God desires for me to be because his Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. This I proclaim in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's get to it. It's in Genesis. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. Genesis chapter 39 is where we're going to be. Genesis chapter 39 is where we're going to be. I'm so excited about um, just getting into the Word with you and journeying. I really do believe that the opportunity that we get, we are given to walk through a text, it just allows us to draw closer to God, and I believe it changes us. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 39. I'm only going to read one verse, and we're going to work from there, okay? I'm going to read one verse at this time from Genesis chapter 39. Now, and I'm going to read verse 1, by the way, of chapter 39. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites and brought him down there. Today, we're going to talk about and look and Lord willing, learn from this message titled, God is with us. God is with us. And I want us to look at this particular uh, genre. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, the, this literary con category, this genre, is a Old Testament narrative. And uh, much of the Bible uh, is in that genre of the Old, uh, Old Testament narrative. And the beauty of this passage is the various truths we get to pull from it. And I want you to know that the overriding theme of chapter 39 is the fact that God is with us. That's the overriding theme. So God is with us. And we're going to just look at three things that we can extract from Joseph's life that points to the fact, points to the reality that God is with us. What I want to remind you of is, though, that oftentimes when we talk about a biblical character, whether it's Joseph, Abraham, whether it's David, uh, whether it's Paul or Peter, sometimes what we do, we put these individuals in categories or in a category that is close to Jesus. I, I, I want to just encourage you to not do that they were just like you and me. No one comes even close to Jesus. It is the reason why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, follow me or 
imitate me as long as I follow or imitate Christ. In other words, if I do not follow or imitate Christ, do not follow or imitate me. Because the goal is not to be like me, Paul is saying. The goal is to be like Jesus Christ. No one comes close. So uh, though we can uh, learn a lot from them, what my point is that God can use you just the way that he used Peter and Paul and James and John and David and so forth. He can use and he does use people today for his purpose and, and the opportunity to honor and glorify him. So let's just see some things that we can uh, extract from Joseph's life. Um, here's some things, though, I want to just bring uh, up so that we can look at chapter 39 with some clear understanding. To get a full understanding of what, or a better understanding of what is going on with Joseph, and I say a better as opposed to a full, because to get a full understanding, one would need to start at chapter 1 of Genesis. And one would need to make it to Revelation, to the end of Revelations, to get a full understanding of Joseph. But to get a better understanding, one should pay attention to chapters 37 of Genesis through chapter 50. Joseph, the Lord allowed, the Lord used him to play a major role in advancing and protecting his promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham, if you go back, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Abraham therefore is the great grandfather of Joseph. And God had told Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I want you to leave your land in Genesis chapter 12 verses one through three, uh, he tells Abraham that you need to leave your land, leave your relatives, leave your fathers, and I want you to go to the place where I'm going to send you. And I want you to know this, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to bless you. And through you, others will be blessed. And those who bless you will be blessed. And those who curse you will be cursed. God gave that promise to Abraham. God was going to protect that. And that blessing uh, or the fulfillment of this promise would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ would come through that particular lineage. Well, Joseph is going to be utilized in a way to bless and protect that particular promise, even if Joseph didn't understand how he was being utilized. So let's see how we can extract some things um, from this particular chapter. So God is with us, and we can see in verses one through six, this major point here that was going on in Joseph's life, and that is God was with Joseph even while Joseph was in enslavement. Amen. Joseph, if you look at verses one through six, he is a slave. In fact, Here's what you're going to discover, 
there's going to be at least four times where the text is going to say, God was with Joseph and blessed him. I believe it's in verses 2, verses 3, verses 21, and verses 23. Verse 2, 3, 21, and 23. It, this, it is made, uh, this statement is made that God was with Joseph. And here you have Joseph in verses 1 through 6. And Joseph is enslaved. So, you may say, well, um, God was with him, but if God was with him, why is he enslaved? Where in the Bible does it say that if you are comfortable, if you feel good, if the weather is just right, if the bed is just soft enough, if the porridge is not too hot and not too cold, like the three little bags, if y'all. Where in the Bible does it say if everything feels right and feels good to me, looks good to me, that is evidence, that is proof that God is with me. I'm telling you that God is with you if the bed is rock hard, if the porridge is too hot. God is with you in the dark times and the troubled times, the difficult times, the painful times. And during those times where you think that you are alone, God is with you and I. Notice in the text, the text says that uh, Joseph, after having been brought down to Egypt. Let me tell you how Joseph got there. You have to go back to chapter 37. Chapter 38 is a great uh, chapter two, and you learn more about Joseph's brother Judah. Uh, it's a lot to learn from there. But you go back to chapter 37, and you see that Joseph had these dreams, and Joseph in his dreams saw that his brothers were bowing down to him. In his second dream, he saw that his parents were bowing down to him. And, uh, and, and though he may not fully understood what he was dreaming, God was speaking to him, okay? And he shared these dreams. And in addition to all of that, his father, Jacob, he favored Joseph because of Joseph's mother. J Jacob loved J uh, Joseph's mother more than all the other wives that he had. And Joseph was his favorite. And so he treated J Joseph with favoritism. And Joseph was even given a pretty coat, a beautiful coat. Gucci coat, whatever you want to call it. Many colors were in that coat. And he wore that coat with pride. And who knows, he could have been arrogant, he could have been confident. We don't know, the text doesn't say, but what we do know is that the brothers, his brothers who were older than him, he had, uh, he had a, a, a 10 brothers that were older than him, uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Isachar, Asher, Gad, Dan, Naphtali, and then you got Joseph. And Joseph is... Uh, uh, he listen. He's he's the litter of the lot. His brothers do not like him. In fact, they don't just dislike him; they hate him. They cannot even find it in themselves to talk to him without clenching their teeth. Just his name and his voice, his presence, just irked them. And so they devised this plan to get rid of him. 
And so when they saw him coming one day out to the field, because he would come out to the field, watch and see what the brothers were doing, and then he would give a report back to his father, and they didn't like that either. So one day as he, as he was coming uh, across the field, his brothers looked at each other, and they looked at him and said, you know what, let's get rid of this rascal. Let, let us kill him and be done with him. They were so driven by jealousy and hate. They said, let's kill him. And so they took Joseph and ripped this Gucci coat off of him, threw him down in a cistern into this pit, and they were going to kill Joseph. They went away for a little while, came back, but when they came back, they had come up with a different plan. They said, instead of just suffering a loss, his life would just be simply a loss. Let us profit off of him. And so they decided to sell their brother into slavery. And so they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites, who were relatives actually, sold him to the Ishmaelites, and the Ishmaelites took him down to Egypt. When they took Joseph down to Egypt, Potiphar bought Joseph, and that is how Joseph ended up in slavery. That is how you get to chapter 38. And Joseph is now a slave in Potiphar's house. I want you to think about this. Some of us have experienced a loss of our finances over time. Maybe your savings dwindled down. Maybe you had a higher paying job and you had to go into another role, maybe another workplace. Maybe that place shut down and you had to take a lower paying job. Or maybe they're asking or demanding or pulling more work from you than what you initially started with. But over a period of time, what you are paid and your productivity, they're not on the same level. They don't they, not, they, they, they are actually contradictory to each other. They're in conflict with each other. Some of us have suffered loss health-wise. Uh, some of us have suffered because of a sickness, and some of us may feel a decline in health because of age. Maybe something on your body hurts a little bit more than it hurt two years ago. But over time, we suffer losses in various areas of life. For some of us, our social circles may have shrunk. Many of us, and I, I want to be careful, most of us have suffered some type of slow decline in some area. As I look around, uh, some of us men may have lost some muscle mass. And young, young men, they don't think about it often, but... Um, Things change sometimes. When you get older, you, you, you grow up and you grow out. A whole lot of things. All right. A lot of things happen, but you suffer loss slowly. Well, guess what? Joseph didn't suffer loss slowly. Immediately, just like that, his whole world was changed. One day, he was living with a pretty wealthy family doing pretty good, had a high position, was even given a tag, a coat 
to distinguish him from the others. He had this uh, prestige. He had a position. He had the comfort of family around him. He had the comfort of uh, life and, and, and the society around him. And all of a sudden, that's snatched away just like that. And he is brought into a foreign environment, a place where they do not uh, uh, talk like him. They, don't, they do not have the same language. They do not dress like him. And in fact, he is now in a place where he is, most people don't even, listen, have you ever thought about it? He is the first Hebrew slave in Egypt. Here he is in a foreign land with different customs, and he's a slave. It turned around just like that. He finds himself in a, a place of enslavement. But here's the beautiful thing about it. In verses 1 through 6, here he is in Potiphar's house. But notice what, what it says in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian master. So don't forget this. He was successful but he was still a slave. And here's the thing. God was with him, though he was a slave, and he's serving under the direction of an Egyptian master. In fact, in verse 3, it says, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And Joseph, he found favor in the sight, if you look at verses four through six, he found favor in the sight of Potiphar. And the reason why he found favor in the sight of Potiphar was because the Lord was with him and Potiphar turned around and he put Joseph in charge. One second, Joseph's a slave out in the field, working in the house, Next thing, among the other slaves, the next thing you know, uh, he is actually elevated up, and it's because Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. And here's the thing. He became so uh, recognized for the fact that God was with him that Potiphar elevated him to the point where Joseph was completely in charge of the entire house and the operation. But don't forget this. He was still a slave. And Potiphar elevated him so much so that Potiphar said, I tell you what, I'm going to put you in charge of the house. I trust you. Uh, watch this. So much. Or is it I trust you or I trust the fact that there's favor upon you? I want you to look at something in that text. A lot of times we read this, we talk about how uh, Joseph was an amazing administrator, an amazing leader, and that uh, he must have uh, must been really good at being very responsible, must have had a high work ethic, uh, must got a whole lot. Listen, I do not discount any of those things. I, I truly believe all those things. I'm just telling you the text does not say that, but what the text does say is this, the Lord was with him. It did not say, Potiphar looked at him and said, man, he, got, he has an amazing work ethic. Or he has an, listen, he is so responsible. Or he has great leadership skills. He does a great job delegating. He does a great job organizing. He does a great job communicating. Listen, I'm not saying none of those, thi those things weren't uh, uh, present. 
What I'm saying is the text doesn't say that. It doesn't say that Potiphar looked at Joseph and said, hey, these things about you stand out. Man, I looked at these leadership traits that you have, these attributes you have. In fact, we did a skill assessment test on you and you are just a man. That's not what the text says. The text says Potiphar looked at Joseph and said, "Woo, the Lord is with him. And here's something else. Potiphar did not even worship the true living God. Potiphar was a sinner. He was an ungodly person. He was an unrighteous person. He did not worship Yahweh. And notice the text says the Lord, the word the Lord here throughout chapter 39, it is speaking, is translated or communicated as Yahweh. And Yahweh communicates the fact that God is near. Now, isn't it kind of strange that the text keeps saying that God was with Joseph and it communicates Yahweh that God is near? And Potiphar looked and said, the Lord is with him. And Potiphar was smart enough to allow the man that God was with to do what the man was doing. Get out of his way. Here's a point here. Even when you find yourself in a difficult spot, Potiphar, I mean, for Joseph, he was in enslavement. For you, it may be, hey, I'm working at a place I'm not even, listen, I, I don't want to be there. I want to be somewhere else. I'm going to work to be somewhere else. I'm, listen, I'm in school to be somewhere else. I'm, listen, I'm learning another skill to be somewhere else. Or I put out resumes or I, I filled out applications to be somewhere else. But let me tell you this, until you somewhere else, where you are, make sure that you're walking in a way that demonstrates that the Lord is with you. It never said that Joseph, you think Joseph was happy to be a slave? It never said that Joseph was happy to be a slave? He's a slave. He's lost his privileges and his position, but yet and still, the Lord is with him and the Lord is with Joseph so much so that Potiphar recognizes it. Put Joseph in charge. And I love how it says this in uh, verses six. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Listen, I, listen he wasn't worried about the bills. If it, he wasn't worried about what the, the, the production Getting done, he wasn't worried about what was taking place in the field, in the house, when things were going to get clean, when something broke was going to get fixed. He wasn't worried about when the inventory was going to switch out. He wasn't worried about anything. He wasn't worried about when they bought things, if they had to pay other consumers. He wasn't, only thing he worried about was, hey, Joseph, are we having chicken or steak? Potatoes and rice. What vegetables we have? What are we going to drink? All he was concerned about was the food that was on his plate and making sure the food that was on his plate made it to his mouth. That's all he was worried about. Because God was with Joseph. And so the text says that in verses 2 through 3, that God was with Joseph. L look at the second point. The second point is located in verses 7 through 18. And here's what we recognize. In verses 7 through 18, we learn that in verses 1 through 6, uh, Joseph, even while he was in enslavement, God was with him, but even Joseph's harassment. 
In verses 7 through 18, Joseph is harassed. Oftentimes we talk about the temptation. Joseph was tempted, but Joseph was tempted through harassment. In today's society culture, we would call it sexual harassment. In verses 7 through 18, Joseph is sexually harassed by Potiphar's wife. She was a temptress, and so she kept pursuing after Joseph. In fact, in verse 6, it says that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. She recognized this. There's a few places in the Bible where the uh, texts make it clear that this person was of a good-looking person. It says that about David. It says that about Joseph. And so I always figured, that, figured out that Paul or Peter, they must have been pretty ugly <laughs> because the text says that Joseph, I'm just kidding. But it said that Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. The text says that because here's the thing. Sometimes we, I told you, you have to bring it back. These were just people. And even that his appearance, God's going to use his appearance, his form, to actually allow Joseph to be tested. God will allow us to be tested and allow us to go through tribulations, all with the design purpose of honoring and glorifying him. He does not send us through a trial and a test to actually fail and falter. He allows us to go through tests and trials for us to actually be strengthened, to become stronger, to become more like him, to shape us. But it's also designed not only to put muscle on us, but it's also designed to take things off of us. It shapes us, it molds us. And so he allows Joseph to go through these various things and these things are going to shape and mold Joseph. And so these things that Joseph are going through, starting at the age of 17, God's going to use it because God has greater plans for Joseph beginning around the age of 30. And so here you have Joseph being sexually harassed. He's being harassed by Potiphar's wife. And what we notice here in verse 7, that Potiphar's wife, she took notice of him. Uh, she wasn't a faithful wife, and she was pretty forward and aggressive. She's forward, she's aggressive, and she tells Joseph, lie with me, sleep with me, uh, just, just let's, let's hook up, Let, let's, let's, get, let's, get, let's connect. And Joseph's reply, uh, we see in the next few verses, starting at verse 8, it says, he refused and he said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so notice Joseph said, how can I do this thing against God? See, when you do someone wrong, lie, steal, hurt them, bully them. When you do someone wrong, I want you to know that you first offended God. That person 
is secondary because God created man in his image. When you do someone wrong, whether they are a Christian or a non-Christian, because sometimes a person thinks, well, I can do him or her wrong because they're an ungodly person anyway. But what does it say about a Christian who mistreats an ungodly person? It makes you, positionally wise, no different than the ungodly person. When you and I sin, it's an offense first and foremost against God. Joseph said, if I was to lie with you, this is a sin. This would be wicked before God. This actually hits me more. The more and more I study it, the more I read it. Let me tell you why. Joseph said this because Joseph understood that if I love God, I have to obey God. If I sleep with you, if I do this sinful, wicked thing, it's a disobedient act. It's not a demonstration of my love for God. My point here is we can profess all day how much we love God, but if we do not have a, a, a frequent pattern of obedience, it really doesn't demonstrate love. It doesn't mean that we make the mark all the time. What I'm saying to you that is that you cannot walk boldly professing your love for God and at the same time walk boldly disobeying God. Listen, it is no different than a, a, a child that's just disrespectful to mom and dad, and, you know, just, just, and then every once in a while the child says, I want to write, listen, I want to write mama a card. I want to draw a picture. I want to say I love you. I want to say I love you. But you never obey. It's no different, men, watch this. It's no different if we treat our wives badly every single day, but we occasionally say, I love you, baby. Or we occasionally buy you a pocketbook or buy you a shoe or give you some roses. Listen, you can buy them a shoe. You can buy, buy one shoe, too. One shoe. I said one shoe. You can buy them a <laughs> You give them one at a time, right? One at a time. They, they, it won't wear out so fast. Listen, listen. You can buy a, a fly, some flowers. You can buy some shoes. You can buy those things. You can say, I love you. You can write letters. But if you treat them badly, I'm telling you, after a while, your wife is going to say he's not a sincere person. I might take the shoe. I might take the flower. I might, I might take these gifts, but you're not a sincere person. Your heart and your words, they don't match. It's just not a match. In fact, uh, if, they were, if they were trying to hunt you down to arrest you, they couldn't even catch you because it don't even line up. Okay? Listen, the profile don't match. Here's the thing. Our obedience, obedience and love is not one or the other. They actually go hand in hand. When it comes to God, love and obedience go hand in hand. So Joseph said, how can I do this thing? Here's one more thing. Catch your attention. Joseph is saying this because from the beginning of time, since God created Adam, God put on man's heart. Did you know this? A moral code. He put on a moral code. One of those moral codes is that you don't operate in this type of wickedness. Now, why do we say that? Joseph recognized this even though yet he is not breaking one of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments do not even exist at this time. I think that's the seventh uh, commandment, the third or the seventh. I get one or the other. I'm going to be one in. I'm at three or seven. 
He's not, listen, the Ten Commandments have not even been introduced. Moses is not even on the scene, and yet it's still Joseph recognized that this is a sin because God had made it known. He implanted it on people's heart. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? So Joseph recognized this, and he said, I will not do this thing. She continued to pursue after him, kept pursuing after Joseph, lie with me day by day by day by day by day, and Joseph kept refusing, and eventually one day Joseph was in there refusing, as always, and he ran out. She held on to a, 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 his cloak as he ran out, and she started screaming, and she called the other uh, men in from the field, and she said, look what this Hebrew has done to us. She said, he's, he's laughing at us. Uh, in fact, uh, verse 11, but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she called him by his garment saying, lie with me, but he left his garment in, in her hand and he fled and he got out of the house. And notice Joseph, he got out. So here's the thing. We can talk about how strong we are I can put up with anything, but there are just some things. Uh, Joe don't need to trust Joe. Now, y'all might be saying, that's good for Joe, and I'm talking about you too. Don't trust yourself around certain situations. Get yourself out of the situation. Joseph got himself out of the situation. Uh, and what you see is Joseph, he, he ran out. She called these um, other, uh, the, the different uh, people from the field and from the house, she called them in and she said, hey, he, look what he tried to do to us. And, and, and it's, it's amazing what she says in verse 14. She says, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. Did, did you catch that? He brought in a Hebrew to laugh at us. It's two things I just want you to, just quickly, Hebrew and us. Hebrews, verse, if you go to chapter 43, they were an abomination to the Egyptians. They, listen, the Egyptians wouldn't even sit at the table with them. They were like, the Hebrews were the lowest of the low. So she's trying, listen, she's rallying them up. She says, first of all, he brought this Hebrew in. And what she's doing, she's rallying their emotions because they already hate the Hebrew. Okay? And then she says, watch this. She didn't say what he did to me. Look what he did to us. Listen, that is, that is a technique that many people use, leaders, good and bad. And they say, look what he's doing to us. Well, it wasn't us, it was her. And watch what she did too. She switched the game. She, listen, she was actually harassing him. Now she's making the claim that she was being harassed by him. And she screamed out, they ran in. And then when her husband comes home, Potiphar, she tells Potiphar, hey, that Hebrew that you brought in this house, man, he, he done got ahead of himself. He got his head all in the cloud. You don't put him in charge of everything. And you know he even came after me, your prized possession. You see what he did? He, he came after me. And he has made a mockery of us. Look what he's done in your house. And Potiphar got upset, had Joseph thrown into prison. And this is how you get to the third point. I want you to know as you go to the third point, for crimes such as this, the punishment actually was death. He was thrown into prison because, watch this, God's protecting him. Why? 
The text doesn't say it right here, but God was with him even for him to go to prison as opposed to being killed. So while he's in prison, here's what we find. That God is with Joseph even in imprisonment. He gets to the prison, and there's something unique that happens in verses 19 through 23. It looks like this might be the end of this uh, 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 Joseph's life, the, the closing of a chapter, but in 19 it says, as soon as his master heard these words spoken to him by his wife, this is how your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. So in verse 20 it says, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. I, listen, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really get excited. You have a person who has been thrown into prison for a crime that uh, in that culture equaled death. He's in prison and the warden watches him. But the warden sees beyond him he may not understand what he's taking in, but the warden sees the Lord. I, I, I want you to know something. Listen, wherever you are in life, it, young people, listen to me. Joseph was going through sexual harassment. Some of our young people go through bullying at school. Bullying is a real deal. Okay, listen, it's a real deal. In fact, when I was a student pastor for many years, I used to say to uh, uh, one of my student leaders, uh, female student leaders, uh, about certain certain uh, female students, I say, "Oh, they so sweet, so nice," and she would look at me like. And what I didn't know was, these some of these were some mean girls, and I discovered. Listen, I had, listen, I haven't been doing it long. I discovered over time. I'm not saying this is okay. I'm just telling you, in my experience as a student pastor. I had to deal with more mean girls than mean boys. I had to deal with more girls being mean to other girls than boys being mean to other The boys, listen, they just, listen, they might argue. Hey, listen, every blue moon, you might have a physical fight. Every, every blue moon. But they, they just go that different way. The girls, whoo, listen, we would do events and D-nails and all this kind of stuff. And every time we get together, um, what will happen is when, when the spirit really gets, to, gets moving and hearts get to turning, you'll see a girl get up and she has to walk out and she starts crying. You might see another girl come out and hug and get close to her and whatnot. And you start feeling sorry for like, oh man, what, what, who's been hurting her, harm her? No, she's going out because the Lord's working with her heart because she's been the one beating up other folks. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. Listen, I, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it. And I'm talking about, I've been at a camp with like 300 kids and saw dozens and dozens of kids walking out and they were actually mean. Bullying, that was bullying then. It's worse now. Bullying is a real deal. 
Sexual harassment is a real deal. I want to point out to you, it's just not, most of the time when you think of sexual harassment, because I, I want to make sure I notate this, sexual harassment, oftentimes you think of a male figure. It can come from both sides. That's why in chapter 38, if you go back to, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 30, yeah. Chapter 38, you'll see where Judah, who is Joseph's brother, he's actually the aggressor, okay? In chapter 39, you see Potiphar's wife, okay? Harassment happens, but also imprisonment happens. Some of you say, well, I ain't never been to jail in my life. I've never been in prison in my life. Maybe so. That's a blessing. And, and listen, I don't ever want to see you there. It doesn't mean you haven't been locked up. It also doesn't mean that just because you're in this room, sitting in this chair, with the outfit of your choosing this morning, that you're not locked up. Just because you don't have on an orange suit, just because you don't have handcuffs on, and just because someone didn't tell you what time to get up or what time you're going to eat today, doesn't mean that you're not locked up. Some of us are locked up emotionally. Some of us can't get beyond what happened to us when we were 12 years old. Some of us can't get beyond what happened to us and perhaps a relationship that we used to have. Some of us can't get beyond. We're locked up and we're locked into certain sinful things and we can't, listen, and we just feel like we're paralyzed. Some of us are locked up mentally. Some of us are locked up financially. You keep doing the same old thing that you've been doing for the longest. Locked Don't just think because we all come in this room and we can wiggle our finger, stump our feet, that you're not sitting next to someone who's locked up. And if you haven't been locked up emotionally, mentally, or physically, I can then tell you one thing. I know we all been locked up. We've all been locked up spiritually. Amen. And when Jesus Christ who died on that cross, who was buried, who was rose from the grave, when you put your faith and trust in him, I want you to know, yes, the chains were broken. You were set free. But it does not change this fact here, that because you and I have been set free and those spiritual chains have been released, it does not change the fact that we have been set free by Jesus Christ, that we don't return on our own occasionally back to that jail cell. Keep doing the same old things that we were doing that were actually in alignment with that position we used to have. So it looks like we're still locked up. Joseph was in prison, and while he was in prison, God blessed him. If you find yourself in a workplace, you find yourself in a school, you find yourself in a situation that, listen, I'm here because God puts me here. I don't even understand why I'm here. The people around me, they may be ungodly, they may not be right and whatnot, but while I'm here, I may not have that answer. But what I can do is that while I'm here, I can get out of God's way and allow God to be visible and seen in my life. And it's an amazing thing. I'm telling you, I've been in a situation where I have no business uh, being moved. And God says, I'm going to work for you. I'm going to move you. I'm going to use you like a chess piece. God does that for all of us. God was with Joseph while Joseph was in enslavement, while he was being harassed, and while he was in prison, because while he was in prison, the warden puts him in charge. And you tell me, name one prison where they can publicly say that they put a prisoner in 
and the prisoner now tells the warden what to do. So much so that the warden does not even ask the prisoner what's going on today. I, listen, I, I don't even want to know what's going on. If Joseph said it, if Joseph told you to do it, then that's how it goes down. He did not even concern himself. You know what? When I come to think about it, the warden was getting a free check. He didn't even do any work. He done turned the keys over to someone else. And here Joseph is, and he's in charge. But here's the beautiful thing. God was always with him. Joseph was always strengthened by God. And so I want to tell you this. I want to close with this. God is with us. The reality is we have to rely on the strength that we get from God. Um, I think I may have shared this with you before about a child and their father walking through the woods. They're on this path. They come to this rock. And this rock is in the middle of the path. And the child has a great desire for that rock to be moved. And so the child turns around and looks at his father. He said, Dad, you think I can move, think I can move that rock? And his dad said, son, I think if you use all your strength, you can move that rock. And the little boy, he was so excited, so happy that he went up to that rock and he started to try to move the rock. And that rock, it didn't move at all. And the boy, he just kept trying to push it. He put his shoulders up against it and the rock didn't move. And the boy, he was getting frustrated because now like 15 minutes have gone by and he's trying, he's trying, he's trying. The boy, listen, he stepped back several feet and he ran back. His dad said, be careful now, be careful. And the boy ran and he hit the rock. The rock didn't even, listen, it didn't wedge at all. It didn't move. The boy put his back up against the rock and he started pushing with all his might and his feet were sliding down in the dirt and his hands were pushing the dirt back to in the grass and he was even holding on to a stick that was sticking up from the ground trying to push that rock and that rock did not move. And the boy, he started to cry. And he said, dad, dad, use all your strength. That rock is going to move. And the son, he just kept on and kept on and kept on. And eventually the little boy, he became so exhausted. He collapsed on the ground. He said, dad, you said that I could move that rock. And his dad said, I told you that if you use all your strength, you can move that rock. He said, dad, I did use all my strength. And he was frustrated with his father. He said, Dad, I used all my strength. His father said, Son, no, you didn't. He said, You never asked me to move. There are things in our life that we have tried to move, that we have tried to get out of, and we don't even understand it. The reasons. We're in some of these places. We think because I did something wrong. Listen, it, just because you're in a dark place, a difficult place, doesn't mean you did something wrong, okay? First and foremost, just because you are in the valley doesn't mean you did something wrong. Just because someone is on the mountaintop doesn't mean that they did something right. The reality is whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, you want God with you. 
You want God with you. And God uses the mountaintops as well as the valleys and in between to shape and mold us. God uses things like enslavement. God even uses forms of harassment. I'm telling you, young people, if you actually treat the bully right, I'm not telling you you're gonna change the bully. I'm not even telling you that you sometimes gotta get out of the out of the presence of the bully. I'm not telling you sometimes you gotta push back. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if your heart is right, in other words, if you're being bullied by someone, when you, listen, you make sure you pray for them. You pray for them. You say, pray for them. I pray I get the strength to hit them in the mouth. No, you pray, you pray, and you ask God to do a work in them. And you also ask God, now whatever you want me to glean from this, you shape me. If you're in a workplace or if you're serving somewhere, maybe you're in a community and you say, I want to get from here. Lord, I, listen, I, I'm having a difficult time understanding why I'm here. But Lord, could you help me that while I'm here, would you strengthen me and use me so that when people see me, they see you? Would you see that? And, and Lord, whether my position changes or not, would you just bless it where they see you? I just want them to see you. God is with us. God is near. And I want you to walk away with this question on your mind. I want you to answer it in your own prayer time through the week. God is with us. But can you actually say that you're with him? Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the presence of your Holy Spirit. And thank you, Father, for your transformative work that you do in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray, Father, that you will receive the honor, the glory, and the praise through it. In Jesus' name.